Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo, the rep. And we're going to look ahead to the 2019 high school football season, which gets underway with two days on August 1st. We're going to kick off our second season of the Friday Night Ohio podcast with Joe and I looking about talking about what's new in 2019, taking a look at who we think will be the top teams, some of the teams that maybe are under the radar a bit, and we'll also talk about some of the top players as the 2019 season gets underway here and. Joe, we'll start off with what's new, and for uh, for a lot of schools, it's at the coaching, where they're going to have uh, three new head football coaches in the Federal League, a couple in the EBC, and then a couple of other changes elsewhere. Yeah, and and you know you start McKinley, and they lose Dan Reardon after a really successful four year uh, stint there, and and uh, you know I, I thought they rebounded well by getting a, a really good coach and Marcus Wiley, who was at St. Vincent St. Mary, who understands how to coach at a, a school that has state championship as aspirations and and uh you know i think he'll he'll be a kind of a good hire for them and and then obviously other ones learned the the federal league bo balderson um heading back to the federal league uh at glen oak he was previously at, at marlington but he's also coached at jackson and then a newcomer at, at green and mark geis who uh, i think was at Kent Roosevelt for a year, but had a successful run at Roostown. So, so some good new coaches in the federal league after a little bit of stability, I think, for the last few years. Yeah, hadn't been a lot of turnover, and you mentioned Balderson returning. He'd been at Jackson uh, for a couple of years and really helped get that program headed in the right direction, and, and obviously they've continued on that under Coach Bud, and, and he did a great job at his alma mater at, uh, at Marlington. You talked to Bo in the offseason uh, once or twice. You think he's uh, fully prepared for what he's jumping into, which is kind of a rebuild there. Yeah, and I think he understands because he did something similar at Jackson when, you know, his first few years, I think they, they you know, they had a, a little bit of a struggle just to get numbers and kind of get that program back to where it was. And, and uh, you know, he's got Scott Garcia, the former coach, as his athletic director. And so he understands, um, you know, what needs to be done, but he also has some guys that have been there before that can help him and and i think uh you know that was a great hire i mean he, he obviously did great things at marlington as well the, the the other big one being whenever mckinley or maslin change coaches and that's mckinley this time with uh, coach watley coming in from st v what uh what do you anticipate being a, a strength with him there and maybe what's something even though he's coming from a pretty big time program that maybe he's going to have to adapt to well, I think his biggest strength is he has a huge defensive background, and you know that's something that I think they were interested in. The offense was really good last year, and the defense has been good at times uh, under Reardon. But uh, you know, I think that they're kind of excited about maybe adding even more of a dimension to that. And and uh, you know, but at the same time, I mean, I, I think from a just a distraction standpoint of all the things that go into being a McKinley coach, you know, from the rivalry to just the attention that's on that program. And I don't know that it's quite that much at St. V and some of that is just, you know, local media. We, you know, we do a lot with, with those coaches. So I think that's always an adjustment. And I remember that was something that Dan Reardon, even though he had won multiple state championships at Ursuline, he, you know, he just said the media, you know, requirements were a, a lot 
bigger and and more often uh, once he got to McKinley. So that's something that he'll probably just have to learn how to to handle. Another one of the name brand schools for football in Stark County is Louisville. Great football community. A change there this season with Jeff Twitty taking over comes from Meadowbrook. Um, he has some experience though in Stark County and really the area. He played at Mogador and uh, was an assistant coach at McKinley. So uh, that's a, always a, a good program to jump in on. I think. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, if he had only been at Meadowbrook, I don't think he would get that job. He, he, they needed someone with an understanding of what you know football a football means. school. Yeah, and Magador certainly is, and McKinley certainly is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they they've been successful. Obviously, the challenges in front of him are different than they have been, just because they're now at the independent schedule, and and uh, you can have a good season and and not really have a ton to show for it. Even if you go five and five and six and four, you know it. it, it it requires something different than it did a few years ago. So that'll be a challenge, but you know, football culture is established there all the way down to first grade. So um, that's something that's obviously a huge asset. Rounding up some of the other cha- uh, changes, we got Mark Gulling moving from Tusla to Marlington. Mark Hunley is the new head coach at Minerva. And then at Tusla, it's Mark Gulling's brother, Matt Gulling, who was on the Tusla staff, who takes over at Tusla. Um, Different challenges as each of those. Minerva obviously looking to snap that long losing streak. Uh, basically, they just graduated a class that never won a varsity football game. So that uh, is a unique challenge that uh, no one in Stark County has ever had to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's, what, 40 games now? Yeah. And, and uh, I know last year in talking to them, they were very excited about their sophomore class. Um, so that, that class will now be juniors. Um, and, and, you know, the, the key is, I think, just to get a win or two. And I don't know what their schedule looks like this year, but you get that even if you have to schedule someone that's a little bit smaller than you normally would just to get. So people are talking about something else. I think that's going to be a huge thing for Mark. And, and uh, you know, I mean, there's no reason that it should be down like that much. I know they've had some enrollment losses and, and certain things that they're struggling with, you know, but uh, hopeful that, that maybe they get one or two wins this year and he gets a chance to build something. Mark Gulling at Marlington and Matt Gulling at Tusla each take over teams that made the playoffs last year, have some players back. We'll actually mention one of the Tusla guys a little later on. So, you know, it looks like pretty good situations for them. The other big what's new is uh, Division Two Region 5, which Joe talks about fairly regularly in the office. And uh, every time we look at that list, we find another near powerhouse or powerhouse that's mm-hmm. in that region. Um, unbelievable what, uh, what's what been put together for Division Two Region 5 this year. Yeah, and I mean, we, we talked about it last year just because Hoover had such a great season. They, they you know, they missed the playoffs. Um, you know, Perry was good enough. I think they went 8-2. and two. They weren't even close to making the playoffs. And, and now, like, I, I think last year was Division to region seven i think all the, the shifting has gone to division to region five if i'm not mistaken but yeah you look hoban and and maslin are obviously two state championship favorites you talk <laughs> about the state finalists from a year ago yeah I and mean, then, that's that's ridiculous right there uh, getting it rolling and then you, you know you add in all the stark county division two teams you add in warren harding and fitch and boardman and then you have some really good teams from around northeast ohio that you know that have good programs and from nordonia and, and hudson and walsh and and uh, Mayfield, I, I, <laughs> Bedford, Brush, Ellett's one of the better city programs. Uh, it, I mean, in, uh, you know, Ellett's yeah. nowhere near the teams we're talking about, but Ellett's a team that you see show up in the playoffs from year to year. Uh, I'm going to say right now, and I, I think you'll probably agree with me, there's going to be a 9-1 and team in that region that's not going to the playoffs, probably. I mean, that's certainly 
very possible. I think and, there's and, a good chance someone's going nine and one there, and because of the oddities of their schedule, you know, so, a couple people were down that they were expecting to be better, and it hurts them, and, and they're not going to make the playoffs because it's just loaded. Yeah, and I mean, it's so funny because two, three years ago, um, you know, Maslin made it through to the state semifinals two years ago. Perry made it three years ago, and you looked at the region, and it was pretty weak overall. The Columbus area, if I yeah, recall. Yeah, I mean, and 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 that's certainly was an anomaly, just as this was, just as, but, but I mean, this harkens back to when, like, Division One regions, you know, when you just, it seemed impossible unless you had a, an absolutely freakish team that was really gifted, and, and, uh, and, and like you said, as it's going to be a shame because somebody that's capable of making a run in another region in division two is might even get left out of the playoffs which is what happened last year with with hoover and and uh you, you, i don't know i mean as exciting as it is to have really good teams i, I hope this isn't the the new standard for for what teams have to go through in division two and around here yeah they they I mean, it's tough to, to deal with the geographics that you're dealing with and whatnot, but you'd like to see them do a better job of balancing it out. And you mentioned Division One; It's still a bear because of it being the two regions. Mm-hmm. Division One, Region One is where, you know, McKinley finds itself in Jackson. And, you know, you look in there and you got, you know, Brunswick, which is a team that's fallen on hard times of late at times, but was real good. But then you have your, your heavyweights with the Catholic schools, St. Edward, St. Ignatius. That was a team in the past that Stark County teams in Division One wouldn't see until maybe a regional final but but usually it would be at the state level uh state semi or a state final and then you also have euclid menor which menor is now a well-established power solon stowe has been real good of late um there's other teams that have had their seasons here and there so that's just a, another region that's going to be a real bear for jackson or mckinley which could put together a good season and still not have much to show for it as far as postseason success yeah i, I think the best thing to do is if you're in division to start flunking a lot of kids <laughs> and just get those enrollment numbers down and then uh i don't know maybe in division one you could just move your school to a different part of the state i don't think that's ever a good idea in any education-based athletic program joe just for the record <laughs> um we're looking at the top teams and we've kind of hit on a few of them but Joe, you'd mentioned ahead of time when we were talking, uh, you're looking Maslin, McKinley, Hoover, more or less your top three just right now without knowing a whole lot about people going into the season. Yeah, and I, I think Maslin in particular um, is still kind of riding, not that they won't be good the next few years, but this is kind of in a special little um, stretch for them, and, and they got a lot back even though they've lost some big big hitters from last year. I, I think you're, you're still looking at a team that's got state championship aspirations, and, and McKinley Mainly, they lost their coach. They lost their their best player and a quarterback, Elijah Curtis. But there's a lot of talent coming back, and and uh, and Hoover, I think, is is another team. Just as long as Connor Ashby is playing quarterback for them, uh, they got a chance to be a special team as well. Who do you see flying under the radar, at least in the the preseason part? Well, I mean, you, you know, I think Lake has been very excited about um, the class that's going to be juniors this year. That's a team that that uh, you know. Did pretty well. I think they went six and four last year. And then, you know, two established programs in the Federal League that I think as long as Tim Budd and, and Keith Wakefield are there, Jackson and Perry are gonna be programs that you're gonna have to deal with just because they're there's they're such good coaches and they just they've established their programs and and they just have great athletes and 
And so I think, you know, Federal League is is just got another chance to be a really, you know, a really good league this season. Looking at a couple of the smaller schools, uh, we mentioned Tussla was a playoff team last year, has some people back with the new coach and Matt Gulling. I think Sandy Valley could be a team that uh, really could put together a real good season. They have a lot of guy, key players back from last year's team that won the first league title in you know more than 50 years. East Canton has put together a nice run under Spider Miller. Uh, did lose some significant players from last year, but I know a couple of guys are back, and obviously Spider knows how to win football games. And uh, I'll be interested to see what Central Catholic does this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's their schedule so hit hit or miss for them, where they're either a pretty big favorite or a pretty big underdog. It's it's been hard for them to really put together those computer points that they need because I I think once they get into Division Five playoffs, they're as good as anybody they're going to see. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> their best teams are state championship level, but it's a matter of you got to win probably six or seven. You got to be able to split with the federal league or, mm-hmm. or the, the, those types of teams that are division two, II, division one. That that uh, you just don't have the numbers. I mean, uh, I know the perception for some Catholic schools out there, but I don't think Central Catholic falls into that into that category. That it's a it's a true division four five type school most years. Yeah, and and just I think so many schools around Ohio just kind of look at it and say, well, what's in it for us? Why bother? You know, we can get another game that's more winnable for us than that. And and uh, I mean, I don't always like that attitude, but that's why they're stuck playing Perry, and that's why you know they they you know. They they have to they have to win because a lot of their wins, like you said, don't give them a lot. So they got to win, you know, a couple of those big games. Yeah, they have to they have to steal a couple of games throughout the season where maybe they, on paper, were not the better team. Yeah, but what, like you said, once you get in there, you're prepared, and you know those other Division Five teams don't know they haven't seen that. They haven't played the speed that Central <laughs> Catholic's been playing at, and and obviously with the this coaching staff at Central that. That staff has been together in a lot of big games, not just in this current run, but even going back when when Lowell was coaching. A lot of those guys are carryovers from that staff. Looking at the uh, top players uh, heading into the season, I think you start at the top with Maslin, uh, Joe. There's uh, a lot of talent coming back and, and a lot of guys that probably will be playing on Saturdays in the future. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Aiden Longwell, who I think is entering his, his uh, maybe third or fourth year as quarterback, third year, I think. And, and you know, he's a Division One baseball recruit, but he's also got offers from Division One football schools. Um, Jaden Ballard is who's already committed to Ohio State wide receiver. Um, he's going to be a junior, and he's just an absolute freak of an athlete. And then they have, you know, they had Zion Pfeiffer coming back. Um, and they picked up a you know another guy from St. Vincent St. Mary, Terrence Keys, who played running back. So you know even though they lost the Stark County Player of the Year at running back, they they're, they're going to be really good there. So again, I, I think you know having Hoban in your region changes maybe what you have to do to get to the state championship. But um, yeah, that's a team that on paper at least should have very high expectations. McKinley also with a lot of guys on college recruiting radars, Jalen Ross, Lemire Garrett, Jasper Robinson, uh, the three that come to mind. Um, what, uh, what are you looking at from, from some of those guys? Well, the, the interesting question is just, you know, they're, they were kind of expecting Matthew Reardon to be their quarterback. He was a sophomore last year. He's Dan's son. He's now at Ursuline. So the key for them is just finding somebody to replace Elijah Curtis and, and obviously Matthew Reardon at quarterback because um, they got a lot of talent elsewhere. The, the three guys you mentioned, Joe Saipea, who, who missed some last year at, you know, at, at linebacker, you know, he, he was injured. But when he came on, he was playing great football in the playoffs. And, you know, they just, you know, they're a school that's always going to have great athletes. So 
Um, if they can find the answer at quarterback, and they might even just have to be more of a, a zone read or a run pass option kind of team first, um, rather than a throwing team. But you know, if they can they can get that answer. They you know they're going to be really good. Speaking of quarterbacks, Connor Ashby, one of the best coming back. And uh, a big reason that Hoover had the season it had was his emergence as a sophomore, probably playing way above what people expected from a first-year starter sophomore. Mm -hmm. Um, What what are you looking for him in that second year as a starter? I think more of the same. I mean, I don't know how much much better you can play than he played. Um, He did not look like a sophomore. He didn't even look like a junior. He looked like a senior that had played for four years. Um, He's really accurate. He's really mobile. um, And he just makes it seem like you have to defend twice as much of the field as you normally would against, you know, a team. And and uh, you know he's got some weapons. He's got Adam Gagulo back in the, at, at running back. He's got Drew Johnson, wide receiver. They just had a ton of of guys last year that could catch the ball. And and uh, you know again, I would have liked to have seen them make the playoffs, but they're a team that should challenge for the federal league title. Maybe the the best all around athlete, or at least one of them, will be at Jackson High School this year. Joe, a guy we talked about a lot last season. Yeah, Jake Ryan. Um, he, he was you know arguably the best wide receiver in Star County last year. Uh, I know that Maslin had some good guys, but just from a production standpoint, him and Kyrie Woody and McKinley were were the two guys that just put up huge numbers. And he's such a a, a great athlete. And and uh, you know everything they again they've lost some some guys at quarterback the last couple of years. But I, I think Coach Bud is at the point in his program now where he has good numbers at every level and he expects to plug guys in and and jake's gonna be a huge part of their success but i i just you know i i, I think you can say that they're no longer a one or two year team that's going to be good they, it doesn't really matter who they lose at this point now they can plug guys in outside of the division one two uh schools i think there's gonna be some other guys emerging alliance should have some players in division three that are coming back oh, that'll make division some noise two now, or, you're right they are division two i was thinking division three <laughs> so they're gonna be competitive Competing with those guys, but Alliance uh, put <laughs> together luck, a nice Dave season Eaters. last year. Uh, looking at uh, smaller than that, though, Manchester's Ethan Wright uh, could be a legitimate Mr. Football type guy, mm-hmm. but might not even be the best player in his own league because of Orville. But uh, talk a little bit about Ethan, who, who drew some really good college interest and it committed early before the season. Yeah, heading to Duke and smart kid, and he's just, uh, you know, he's just bigger and stronger than people that he's going to see in the pack for the, you know, most part, obviously Mark they play Orville. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he's been doing it for a couple of years now. He's going to break every single record if he hasn't already, you know, in Manchester history. And, and, uh, he's just been a fun guy to watch. Also the, the, the oddest thing or not oddest, just unique is the amount of two point conversions. Actually, we've been trying to add those up <laughs> because it's not a stat you usually keep, but it's a guy that was getting double figure two point conversions the last couple of years. Just finds any way he can to score. Staying within the pack seven, Briar Marthy was Stark County's leading rusher last year, set a, a single season school record, also an outstanding wrestler. And I he might be a guy that we see get two thousand yards this season. Yeah, I forgot. Was he ahead of Jameer Thomas? Well, at the end of the regular regular season. season, At the end of the regular season. How about that? I Um, mean, he he had some huge games for Tesla. I'm going to go ahead and say that Matt Gulling is going to give him the ball a lot, even though he's a new head coach. You know, I'm just going to (laughs) say. He's going to feed the best player. That's usually a good uh, good process. In the uh, Pac-7, two guys I think worth worth mentioning, uh, Nathaniel Suntimer from East Canton, who had some injury problems last year. If he's healthy, uh, look for big things from him. And then 
And Cameron Blair, you know, with the Division One two quarterbacks, I think he gets lost in the shuffle. But mm-hmm. I know he's a guy that's worked out at camps and stuff where he's tried to to push himself and expose himself to a higher level. And it's a guy that's going to put up huge numbers. He, he's pretty much rewritten all of Sandy Valley's game season career passing records and we'll start climbing up the county chart pretty high now um be interesting to see what what he does and, and has some veteran guys around him yeah I, mean, I think he's been we've been talking about him since he he's, a, a he's a junior yeah. he started I mean, he started his first game as a freshman and not many guys that do that in Stark County and usually it's at a smaller school where you see that yeah. but still it's remarkable when you have a kid that's looking at uh, doing the type of things he's doing yeah and like you mentioned earlier they you know they're going to go as far as he can take them so the as awful as it is for star county teams in division one and two there's opportunities in the lower divisions to make you know make the playoffs and you know win a couple games and and uh you know i think they made the playoffs last year if i not, not lost to manchester yeah, so. at manchester in the first round but that was a a great experience for sandy valley to, to see that level of play yeah and then, i mean he's only going to get better at quarterback so um yeah, that, 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 that's that got a chance to be a special season. Look for us to talk plenty about Cameron Blair and the rest of the teams and players we were talking about earlier today. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. Look for future episodes throughout the preseason and season as we expect a big and fun 2019. For Joe Scalzo, I'm Chris Bevin.